Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of We Need to Talk. We are in week three of our Road to the Election series. Joining me again are Indidi Amati and Ian Felchlin. Hello. And our special guest today is the executive director of the LA Democratic Party, Mr. Jexel Hurd. Hello, everybody. How's everyone doing? Doing good. How are you doing? You know, I'm enjoying the weather. Yes, I'm talking about the mm-hmm. weather because I'm glad that it is sweater weather. <laughs> it's beautiful outside. <laughs> it it really, really is. It really is. All right, so let's just get to talking. Let's talk. go back and let's talk about the last presidential debate that we saw. Um, they were, you know, Trump and Biden were in the room together. And uh, I, I tweeted this out that I was a little worried that Trump was very, very calm in the beginning. Um, that ended very quickly. But I noticed that there were a lot of people saying that they felt like he won because of his demeanor, which I think is laughable, but under his calmness and his, uh, his laid back demeanor, he was still spewing a lot of lies and he was still saying a bunch of stuff that, you know, because he was calm, people are going to sadly believe. So Jexel, I'm just going to start with you. What were some of your takeaways from the debate? Oh gosh, that seems like a lifetime ago already. <laughs> Which it wasn't, yeah, just a few days ago, yeah. Um, look, I mean, I, I thought the debate was obviously the the. I mean, we only had two debates between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Um, I think when you set the bar really low um, for Donald Trump, um, he can he can somehow meet it uh, in terms of um, just being not Donald Trump. Um, so in, in this case, he was calm the whole time, but like you said, uh, didn't really say anything of substance. Um, you know, he tried to, from the jump, uh, you know, do his normal attacks on Joe Biden, but they kind of fell flat because uh, I think the vice president was ready. Uh, the good, the, the one thing I think people forget about Joe Biden, he's actually a decent debater uh, and he's been doing it for a long time. So, um, you know, so it's, it's not that, uh, you know, I think Joe Biden did exactly what he was supposed to do, uh, and and that was close um, the argument. Mm-hmm. And, and I think he did that. Um, and I think that when you when, when you're the good thing about you know the vice president, he's constantly speaking to the concerns of the American people, um, whether and 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 really uh, making the case about the president's uh, inaction on uh, on this pandemic. Um, and, and the reality that uh, this is Scranton versus Park Avenue, uh, that Donald Trump isn't the man of uh, of of of, Ameri- of of middle class America, mm-hmm. um, that he is out there, um, you know, putting people's lives at risk not only during the pandemic, uh, but pre-pandemic. I mean, he, he he's he has somehow made America less safe uh, while trying to. Uh, prove that he can make America safer. Mm-hmm. I don't know how. I don't know how you do that. <laughs> it's, it's, it's truly remarkable, actually. Yeah. And, right. Right. Um, you know, and I think that's really what it comes down to. Are you safer in Donald Trump's America um, than you were last year? Uh, the answer is no. Well, do you think there's an argument to be made that there are some people that think that they are? How? That's what I'm asking. I mean, that's that's what I'm curious. I I don't know. I I, I suspect that that there are white Americans who feel safer under Donald Trump because there is a last minute cling to power. Mm -hmm. Sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But those times are coming to a close. Yeah. And I and I and 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 that has a lot to that that is the entire um reason that Donald Trump was elected president in the first place because right. this is that last ditch effort as we go into a generation that is going to be predominantly mixed races um where republicans um uh, are consistently uh and will be the minority uh in terms of voter registration uh where uh, the religious right um is the minority. Uh, I talk about that in this, a lot in the sense of the Supreme Court, where you've got an, a, a minority ideology overtaking the majority of of the um, of of the cases uh, and certainly the important ones in the country. 
uh, and that's what's going to happen with, yeah. with this with this Supreme Court. Um, you know, Amy Coney Barrett's probably likely going to be um, confirmed, confirmed tomorrow. Yeah. And yeah. so here we are. Yeah. Indeed, how did you leave um, feeling after the, the debates? Did you feel like you got the answers that you wanted out of Joe Biden, out of his performance? What was your initial takeaway? Oh, I had so many takeaways. Can we first talk about, <laughs> talk about the moderator? I thought she was phenomenal. I thought yeah. she handled herself extremely well. Poised. She asked poignant questions that I wanted to hear addressed. So I thought she was amazing. Um, I thought that uh, Vice President Joe Biden was a little spicy. I love to see it when he's like that. Anytime he talks about mal- malarkey, you know, he's revved up and ready to go. <laughs> so I thought that he came ready to debate. Um, I loved all his answers. I, I love that he took responsibility for the crime bill. I love that he um, took some responsibility in regards to that. And he said that it was a mistake. Um, with Trump, yes, he was calm in the beginning. I don't know if he was tired or whatever the case may be, but he did start to get agitated. Um, we start to see the same old Trump behavior. And um, I don't think that he was the winner of the debate personally. I mean, I'm not a fan, but I also don't think that he did a great job. Um, I still think he didn't answer the question about how we're going to get a coronavirus nationally. I don't think he he still hasn't taken responsibility for that. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like he's trying to make a comparison between how we're doing and how European states are doing. Of course, they're doing better, but he made it seem like everyone's struggling and everyone's doing horribly. And that's just not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I didn't like what he said about race. Mm-hmm. How he said that he's done the most for Black people. And I, I'm a Black person. And I, I don't see what he has done for <laughs> right. me or my community. Right. He mentioned right. the crime bill. And I love what you put on Twitter um, you can talk about what you put on Twitter, but I love yeah, what you yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Twitter. basically, and you know, so I was, Ian sent me a tweet and I was like, I was literally just typing this similar thing, <laughs> but it's like black people exist outside of prisons. So that's mm-hmm. not the only thing. When you say, he says, I've done more for anyone in the black community. He's only refers to prison reform. And it's like, there's more to us <laughs> than right. just prisons. Well, it's because so he's actually, speaking to white people. Right, exactly. And they want to be like, see, you know, Trump's keeping you guys out of the, out of jails. Like, why aren't you happy with that? It was like, such a good point. Uh, I was like, you're right. We haven't all been to prison. We're, like, we're thank you, Savior Trump. Like, right. <laughs> like, and then he talked about how much money he gives to HBCUs. I went to Howard. Like, you, you're not doing nothing. Many presidents have given money, afforded money for HBCUs. You're not the first person. When Obama did it, nobody said boo about it. Mm-hmm. Trump does it. I was like, you're not the first. Nor mm-hmm. will you be the last. Right, right. Yeah, I I think people don't realize how him saying that is actually the racist thing that he's ever said mm-hmm. <laughs> because of mm-hmm. what he's implying. But yes, when he's saying that, he's not talking to the Black community. He is talking to the white people that want to feel good about their racism. Um, Ian, actually, I want to ask you this. What is something that you wish Biden had said that you didn't hear from him? I I would like to have heard him say that Oh, man, I just phrased this perfectly the other day to somebody, and now I'm trying to to, to pull it up again in my mind. Um, I well, I, you know, maybe I can't even I can't even come up with something because I, I think the the biggest line that stuck out for me from him was when he looked at the camera and said, mm-hmm. "It's not about my family. It's not about his family. It's about your family." And then right. talked to him about his family. I would have liked a little bit more elaboration on. You know, all his statements about being an American president and not seeing red states and blue states are are really great. And really, I think, like, the most powerful things he can say to me. Um, I would have liked a little bit more elaboration about that and and more on the along the lines of, like, you know, they can talk about their policies and the climate policy and healthcare policy and stuff. But I would have loved to hear a little bit more, like, intent to at least verbal intent to be bipartisan in, in developing it or, or trying to make it work. Not that he doesn't do that, but I think it would have been a great contrast to Trump, who was, you know, all but treading water to every question, where, where Biden seemed to be able to pivot and take it and, and say what he needed to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know what I actually, you know, here's, here's what I told somebody the other day. I would have loved to hear him say that regardless that he would investigate the countries that sought to mess with our elections, regardless of who they were trying to help win. Hmm. I think that could have been a really powerful statement and counter to any of the BS that Trump spewed was to say, that's not, that's unacceptable. And even if they were trying to help, you know, me win, I would still retaliate. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, I don't. I don't know that anybody who likes what Trump says would have listened, but <laughs> nice. right. and 
I do, I do also think that the only person that Donald Trump beat in that debate was Donald Trump from the first debate. Like, Great point. There's, he, the, the, idea, the idea that simply because he wasn't eating the walls <laughs> with conspiracy theories that right. he won or is better, it's, it's like an abusive spouse argument. Yeah. Oh, they're changed. They're different. Yeah, you know, and, just because he didn't I hit get, me today. Yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. And I, and I get that that's what the media likes to talk about because it was, he was different, but that's not, that doesn't mean he wins. That's the lowest common denominator. Right. And that, you know, we should, we should be holding everybody accountable to the same thing, regardless of whether or not they're a lunatic every other day. <laughs> very, very valuable point. It's true. I just, I mean, I think everyone was more shocked, honestly, than anything. They're kind of like, probably right yeah you know like should we be scared right now because he's very very calm obviously it didn't last like i said but one thing that uh, still bothered me is that when he did start to go off the rails i was really disappointed by the use of the mute the mic because i wanted it to be like mute him when he just starts going off about things not just if he goes over his time obviously it's over there's no more debates but i i still think nobody truly knows how to handle him because you don't know yeah. what you're gonna get in any given day but i do have to give props like you said indeed to, to Kristen Walker because I think oh, that she, she was amazing. She was incredible. I think she was the best moderator that we had in in the debates this far. Um, so, do you think those the last debate changed anybody's mind, or do you think people going in were pretty settled in, in how they felt and who they were going to vote for if they haven't voted yet? Sorry, before? no. I think there's still a lot of um, undecided voters just based off some of the articles I'm reading and some of the interviews that I've seen. Um, I think if anything, if they're undecided at that point that they would be leaning towards Biden, I feel like he answered the questions more directly, mm -hmm. honestly. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm biased, but I know that there's still some undecided voters. Yeah. Oh, I think there's about 5% of voters that are undecided right mm -hmm. now. I think that's the, the, the number that we're all uh, he, hearing, at least in, in the, on our side. Um, you know, and, and those are the five, I mean, that 5% is still a lot of folks. Um, you know, right now we're we're over fifty million, like we're over fifty million folks who have already early voted. Uh, we're we're ten times uh, more than uh, in the eighteen to twenty nine age gap from twenty sixteen uh, in terms of early voting uh, so far, especially in key battleground states. Um, Joe Biden is running neck and neck in three southern states right now. Um, Kamala Harris is going to be in Texas uh, later this week. Uh, and, and, and Joe Biden has, and they've been back in Florida uh, consistently over the past few weeks, which is putting the president on, on the defensive mm -hmm. um, uh, and then having to defend states that Republicans really shouldn't have to be normally defending. So sending president to Georgia, Texas, North Carolina, and, and, and Florida uh, when, when, when there are other states, uh, you know, is exactly uh, what the Biden campaign should be doing right now. But uh, in terms of undecided voters from the from the debate, I mean, look, a debate's not really going to change people's minds because there's not a lot going on in debates. Debates are just shows, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, um, yeah. and they're and they're good clickbaity things when we look on on Twitter and, and Facebook, uh, and it gets us talking about it with each other. There's not a lot of substantive things that come out of debates. I think the one thing that that at least in this debate that was probably new for most people. Uh, or at least to be able to hear about it is where Joe Biden uh, was on oil and gas, mm -hmm. um, yeah. and, and how and, and 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 an opportunity for them to talk about renewable energy, which which has not really been talked about the, in, in in any of these debates. Um, you know, we also had three debates uh, where no LGBT issues came up. Mm. So there's still a lot of things that um, that are um, that still have yet to be kind of talked about publicly. Uh, but the good thing about the Biden campaign is that they have really kept it to substance. Uh, you know, Kamala, Senator Harris, uh, you've got all the surrogates consistently out there. Barack Obama was out on the trail making his argument. Michelle Obama did her closing argument a couple of weeks ago as well. So I think that we're seeing, you know, a, a, a good disciplined campaign from the Biden campaign. Uh, and, and, and undecided voters probably are, are, are taking to that, um, which is good. Um, the argument that I always make and, and is that what accomplishments have Republicans had in the last two decades, uh, particularly the times that they've been in, in power? Um, if if Republic, Republicans have no argument, if you ever listen to Republicans debate, they're never 
running on their accomplishments because mm-hmm. they right. have because they have none. Uh, there's uh, no, I mean, I'm being sad. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. I wish I could yeah. point to the like, yeah. hey, you know, Republicans <laughs> like have been, you know, doing this couple of things, but they just have none. Um, and and to say that um, that you know the, the Trump tax cuts are an accomplishment when they have not helped a single American family uh, is not an accomplishment. To say that you're court packing and, and putting people on the bench uh, while at the same time trying to roll back progress in the Affordable Care Act and marriage equality and women's rights all at the same time. I don't know if that's something that you want to be running on as an accomplishment. Right. And so I think that, um, you know, the more that people start to actually listen to what Republicans are saying, uh, the more that, you know, Republicans know that, and, and I think they're starting to uh, level with the American people, particularly over these last few days, you saw it from John Cornyn, you saw it uh, from Ben Sass and a few other Republicans. Um, and, and even these, Mitch McConnell basically has, has kind of all but declared that Repub- that this is the last uh, go round uh, for yeah. them, and so I think that for Republicans, if when when we win in November, the Republicans probably won't be back in power for another two or three election cycles. Hallelujah! And I think that they, and I think <laughs> that they, and I think they and I think that they know that, and because yeah. they're, they're being out, they're being outraised, they're being uh, out registered, not only just by Democrats but by independents and, mm-hmm. and those in no party preference. Right. Uh, and, 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 and they've allowed Donald Trump to consume them so much that they have, this might be the time that they go the way of the Whig party. But yeah. t- so here's my question, because I, I agree with that. But my mindset is, if you see that something's going off the rails, why wouldn't you do everything possible to try to get it back on track? You see that Trump is so detrimental to your party and what you've stood for. Why have you just let him kind of just run it's his show? arrogance. It's arrogance. They think that they can they can manipulate things and manipulate the country and manipulate people's, you know, awareness or attention spans to stay in power. And I think I think it, you know it's a really good point that they really don't have any accomplishments other than running against or trying to tear down democratic accomplishments. Mm. And I, I think like you can you can see now at you know coming towards the election that they realize they're backed into a corner. And that people are maybe a little bit more smart and a little bit more tired of their BS than they had thought. And that their, all their, you know, um, confidence that they can retain power is starting to slip. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on. You know, we saw uh, last week that uh, the U.S. hit its highly daily, day, highest daily number for coronavirus cases. And uh, I just recently, I don't know if you guys have seen it. I know Ian has just watched the Borat movie. And I was... <laughs> strong-armed into watching it by my husband. I was not happy, but then I was because it was very hilarious. But one of the scenes that struck me was that there's a scene where Mike Pence is talking to a convention and they say, to date, we have only had 15 cases of coronavirus. That's, it, it blew my mind knowing where we are today. And now we just reached the, the highest daily number of cases. What are we going to do to get past this because I don't, I still think even in hearing Biden, you know, he clearly has more compassion and I do believe he will come up with the plan, but that's one of the things I feel like I didn't get a good enough answer from him or from either of them is how are you planning to combat this moving forward? Because it is only getting worse. I feel like the, the biggest challenge is that the damage that the Trump administration has done on this is not I don't want to say it's not the lives lost, but it's the misinformation and everything that's happened because of that. Because now if Trump loses, goes away, you know, cut to January 21st or February 1st or whatever, what have you, this new administration, hopefully a new Senate, um, new, new Senate dominating party, they can, they can do and have whatever plan they want, but there's going to be all these people that spent an entire year hearing not only false information, but new false information every couple months, depending on which way the wind was blowing and which way the president was going to piss in it. I mean, it's, I think that's the, the real big challenge in front of anybody is how do you combat the fact that so many people now don't know what to believe, mm-hmm. don't trust the people that they should be listening to, and are not going to be welcoming to any kind of mask mandate or new restrictions or anything like that. I mean, that's, it's, it's a monumentally harder task now than it was nine In months March. ago. Yeah, for sure. No matter I, what. 
Right. I think the other thing that was always so frustrating for me when I would see people talk about it, it's like, oh, they said this, this you know, this month, or now they're saying this. It's like, do you not know how science and data works? Like, right. they're, it's constantly evolving, and people, they're researching it. They don't know what this is. They didn't know what it was. So what they knew in March, you know, now we're in October, it's going to be a completely different set of data. Yeah. And you just have to listen to the experts. And Trump is not that expert. Pence clearly was not that expert. So I, I, I know that Joe Biden doesn't want to, it, when he wins, issue like a national mask mandate but i don't really see how not doing that is is yeah. it could be an option personally personally that's just my and feeling I, I think that's where we went wrong is because we didn't have a federal mandate every state was allowed to do whatever they wanted to do then you had a lot of southern states let's open back up in may and then they had to shut back down again and people were going to school some people weren't some people started universities they had to stop because people were getting highly infected so it's like and then you travel you have interstate travel and of course things are going to happen because we're just allowed to do whatever we want to do and then i have friends who live in other countries one of my friends she teaches in ecuador and she was like in ecuador we couldn't even go outside for like two months straight and the law yeah. was the same and then they're back open because everyone followed the same mandate but us, we're so tied to our rugged individualism and our freedom and our rights that we're still stuck in this same quagmire and November is next week. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, the, the White House has all but kind of punted. Uh, even mm-hmm. today, the chief of staff, you know, Mark Meadows going out there <laughs> saying, you know, we're not going to control the pandemic because they never had a plan. They yeah. were never yeah. going to control the pandemic. Uh, you know, but, but, but then he followed up with, you know, uh, by saying, you know, what we, what we can't control is the vaccine, but they can't even do that because the president, uh, every time he goes out there and says there's a vaccine coming, the, the companies that are making them are saying, yeah, we're not ready yet. Yeah. You know, they, they, yeah. they have to go back after he says it and be like, yeah, we're not ready yet. Johnson, Johnson no, not ready yet. You know, and so that is, uh, to what was said earlier, you, you know, it is, is the hard part that Americans are going to have to kind of wrap their, their, their brain around. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, the difference between us and a lot of countries, I know we try to compare ourselves to, to, to the way that other countries are run, whether or not it's in socialized medicine, whether or not it's in education and stuff like that, uh, is that we have 50 states and, 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 and some territories. Yeah. And every, what we're talking about individualism, uh, you know, constitutionally, every state has the right to decide what it is they're going to do. Mm-hmm. The federal government can set guidelines. Um, but not necessarily tell states how to function um, to an extent. And so, um, you know, it's why the education uh, in, while we set sort of guidelines for education, um, but, you know, there are some states that are falling behind uh, because they have their own curriculums and, and their own uh, uh, sets of standards. So, uh, you know, I, I think that's, that's where probably Joe Biden understands more than Donald Trump is that there are certain things you can't do. Could you imagine? I mean, if if the federal government could do something like that, don't you think Donald Trump would have utilized that more? But I think they could have presidency? done. When it comes to our national security after 9-11, we, across the nation, we had to change the way we, we had to fly. For so fed, but, but, but the FAA is controlled by the federal government. Well, I think it's also, you made a great point about, like, the states all can kind of do what they want. So... The challenge I think that Biden's going to have to do if, if he if he wins um, is that he's going to have to go to like he says all the time, go to the governors, the governors don't want to play ball, go to the mayors, you know, go to the city by city if you have to, because the reality is the problem that I see the Trump administration caused with this is they politicized it from the very beginning. Right. So it wasn't about what's true. What are we learning day by day about this virus? How can we protect everybody? It's how does this reflect badly on my reelection campaign? And who cares how many people die? And you have all these Republican uh, officials, governors who, who kind of bought into that and just rode that wave. And now the problem is that no one's going to want to do what any kind of national mandate says if it's counter to what they've been doing before, even if it's going to save save lives. I mean, it's it's going to come down to them having to work hand in hand, even with city officials, city by city, go mm-hmm. around the governor. And that's, yeah. that's a monumental task. And you make a good point about, um, you know, working with uh, local government. I think people forget and, and, you know, at the county, at the county level, you know, we talk about how important local elections are every day. And, and, you know, if you remember, 
when the Paris Climate Accord came about and governors, Democratic governors were signing on to it for their states and making uh, national or certainly statewide pledges um, to combat climate change, um, the mayors that were in Republican controlled states were signing their own climate packs um, to, you know, saying this is what our city is going to be doing. And so, yeah, Joe Biden's going to have to call up uh, the more responsible leaders and then call out the leaders yeah. who are not stepping up to the plate. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but the problem is, is that in America, uh, almost 30 plus states are controlled by Republican governors. And so that is going to be the challenge that Joe Biden is going to have. But I think that um, where where Barack Obama certainly did not have the opportunity because Republicans did not let him, uh, where Hillary Clinton would have had a harder time um, um, just because being a woman uh, yeah. leader, you know, in, in, in America would have been as equally as, as difficult, um, is that Joe Biden is kind of that everyday man that people actually just kind of like. Yeah. And they might just yeah. tack on to, yeah. okay, Joe's calling us up now, you know, mm-hmm. let's get it done. And uh, but I'll be really interested to see uh, what um, what Kamala Harris is going to be focused on. Uh, but I suspect yeah. it'll be um, more on uh, on criminal justice and working with the attorney general. I, I think, think it's uh, go sorry, sorry. Go ahead, Ian. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my, my last uh, thing to mention on this is that it's it's a really the big challenge, I think, for a lot of people that are already not following restrictions and not wearing masks and stuff. You know, you, you bring up. 9/11 in DD and I think for that 9/11 if you were if you were old enough when it happened you saw it happen on TV it was an immediate visceral reaction we are being yeah. attacked all these people died there was probably more news coverage on anything than I can remember I, mean, mm-hmm. I was 18 at the time and you can still go up and look at the videos right you can see all the footage mm-hmm. of, of the the towers being destroyed coronavirus even though it's killed you know only several hundred thousand people in this country oh <laughs> it's still an existential threat because it's not a direct visceral gut reaction that these yeah. people are seeing. And I yeah. think that's the, the more I think about it, that's the real hill to climb is that mm-hmm. for some people, it's just not affecting them outside of being bothered by wearing a mask or not being mm-hmm. able to, to do whatever they used to do. And we have so many people in this country that regardless of how many people are getting infected, you know, people are just not seeing it directly streamed into them the way they did with a, a terrible event like 9-11. I think right. that's why it's so yeah. much easier for people to say, oh, well, it's not, you know, it's not real. It's being hyped up. No matter what, everybody can yeah. see yeah. everywhere. 9-11 is a more tangible thing. Yeah. Sure. And I think that's that's also what you saw um, in the George Floyd case. Yeah. Uh, in, yeah. in, in uh, what's his name? Chris, uh, what, what, out of New York City, the Central Park, uh, uh, Chris Cooper. Yeah, oh, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Cooper, the Cooper yeah. case. Yeah, Amy, Amy were, Cooper and Amy Chris Cooper, Cooper. yeah. Mm-hmm. There were, I, I think what changed people's minds um, and certainly got people a little bit more um, uh, invested, uh, because if this was, if, if I said this, on Melinda and I were doing something earlier today, you know, the, if, we are not in the middle of this pandemic. The George Floyd stuff would have come and gone very quickly. Yes. The I other agree. difference is, is that to, to talk about system, to talk about the things that police brutality and, and things like that, when you can't actually see it, um, you know, people don't really, mm-hmm. people aren't really in tune to that. However, then we got a video about what we saw actually happening to somebody yep. laying on the ground. And then we saw life leave somebody's body actually on video and i yep. think that people responded <laughs> differently to that mm-hmm. than they did seeing a traffic cam that may or may not have been uh right. or you know whatever people the conspiracies people have about you know tapes being adjusted or, or video footage being altered or anything like that you actually saw it firsthand uh from a yeah. first person uh experience and and so i think that that is what changed other people the same thing with Elijah McClain, same thing with other, other, uh, a few other cases o- over this year. Uh, here in LA County, you know, we, we saw a journalist, you know, the sheriffs go after a journalist. Uh, and those are the things that people are responding to. Um, and, and I think that that's, that's the same thing with 9 11, uh, is that people saw exactly what was happening in front of them. You can't see a villain like 
uh, COVID-19 yeah. because people just don't know. I mean, it, it is yeah. like a heart attack or, or, or high blood pressure, a silent, yeah. kill, a silent killer. And uh, nobody knows when it's going to creep up on you. Yeah. I would say that's the only positive thing that has come from COVID is that people's awareness of racism has definitely, yeah. We've been telling y'all. Right, right. We're not saying this here. Right. But what I was going to say, you know, for someone whose ego is as vast as Trump's, and, and I've said this several times before, I'm actually surprised that he wouldn't take the proper measures to save people's lives because he already has such a savior complex. And I'm very surprised that he wouldn't want to do everything he could to ensure his reelection. Had he just acted correctly and accordingly mm-hmm. in this pandemic, he might have actually gotten reelected. I do think that because how would he, how would you not like, oh, he saved all these people's lives. He, he did this for the pandemic. He did this, but he did everything wrong. So I, I, I'm, I'm praying that he does not get reelected, but I do personally think that if he had handled this the right way, he might actually be reelected next week. I agree. It would have been a slam dunk, but he's just too, he's too stupid and he's too <laughs> like nearsighted because it's all about how does he look right now? Yeah. Yeah. Not how am I going to look in nine months if I take control? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and, but and, and, but the, the other point of that is you Republicans haven't done anything in yeah, the four years that they've had, four years still on that point. I mean, you know, if you, if you, if you, I mean, I, I've watched at least maybe four or five Senate debates during this cycle, um, and if you listen to them, they got nothing. They're saying you know, a bunch of nothing. They're saying a bunch of nothing. And then when the moderators are asking them about Donald Trump, they're like ducking and diving, trying to figure out how best to answer that question. Yeah. Uh, because you know they want to tie themselves to Trump, but not tie themselves, not tether themselves. Right. But, right. They, but they are tethered, and oh, yeah. we cannot let them forget that they have been tethered to this president for four years, yeah. uh, and they have enabled him every step of the way. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, like, and I said this on the debates. I'm like, how many times is this man going to say he's going to repeal and replace Obamacare? How many years have you had to do something and you have not done a single thing? And it's not Did even guys- just him. It, it this this was this is this predated Donald Trump. Yeah. The Republican yeah. argument of repeal and replace was before Donald Trump. Yes. The Republicans were talking about it when right. John Boehner was speaker. The Republicans were talking about it when uh, 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 Paul Ryan was speaker. Uh, and 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 they, now they're talking about it uh, here in 2020, and they still have not had. This has been 10 years since the ACA was passed. <laughs> they have yeah. not had a single plan to replace uh, the Affordable Care Act, or at least make adjustments to where they uh, thought they were going to, other than killing the individual mandate. Mm-hmm. They just don't, don't care. Say, yeah, yeah they don't. They don't care. What were you going to say, Ian? Though you you were going to bring up a point. You uh, said, did you guys see? Oh, the did you see the the Saturday Night Live cold open from Mm-mm. yesterday? It was it was a take on the debate, and my favorite line was they asked, you know, the Trump character Alec Baldwin, like, let's you know, let's see the plan. He was like, oh, I can't show you because it's being audited with my tax returns. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's this, but it's the same kind of thing though. Like, I think they don't have anything because they don't care because their platform is running against the Democratic yeah. accomplishments and or especially running against the Obama accomplishments. Yeah, yeah. And there's no, that's why they don't, they're not gonna, they're never gonna have a healthcare plan. They're just gonna protect their own, i.e., oh, the coronavirus is coming, don't panic everybody, turn to Wall Street and tell them to, you know, make smart choices to make a lot of money. It's, they wanna preserve the status quo, which is rich, white, old people, and they're just never gonna care. So they don't have to run on anything because that's their platform. Right, right. I, 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 I will say I'm not, not convinced that they want to maintain the status quo so much as they want to retain what little power they have left. I guess, yeah, actually, that's a better way to say it. Yeah. You know, like they, they don't care. The status quo, they don't care about that. <laughs> yeah. Because if they cared about that, you know, they, I mean, look, they didn't even change their platform from 2016. That, that, that tells you how lazy they are, first of all. Yeah. That they have no new ideas. The president, uh, the GOP tweeted, I think yesterday or today, about oh the, about the uh, about the uh, about the second term plans, <laughs> uh, and, and and two out of the four of those was about space exploration. Now look, I'm a Star Trek fan, <laughs> and I'm all for some space exploration. But if I don't see the Enterprise rolling up out of the space force, I would be very disappointed that we spent all that money. 
you know, and not on other things that actually matter. That are that should like be any, priorities. Any, <laughs> no right. one's going to afford a, a studio apartment on the moon, man. I mean, right, come exactly. on. Like, exactly. <laughs> you know, and, and so, you know, if I don't get beamed up in the next 10 years out of this Space Force, <laughs> I'm calling every damn body. <laughs> mm-hmm. I thought this Space Force was a good idea. Because you're talking about an agency now that is now spending another, uh, and now added level into our already bloated uh, Department of Defense budget. Yeah. Look, give me a good uniform. Come on. Yeah, (laughs) I'm ready to go. Androids. Well, you you brought up 2016, so that's the last thing that I want to chat with you guys about. What are some differences that you see going into this election and what are some similarities that actually make you a little concerned in this in this election and Didi, i'm going to start with you sure for me in this election i think that voter turnout has increased and i love to see it i love seeing all the videos of marching bands at the polls i saw a group of cowboys riding their horses to the polls so i love the i don't know if it's excitement or the urgency to have some change i love that i know in 2016 voter turnout was what like 58 percent. it wasn't that great mm-hmm. so that's something that i see that has changed i think people are understanding the urgency of now um things that are different um I wish we had a better election season. It was very filled with a lot of hate to me. It was a lot of vitriol. Um, It just didn't feel good. And I'm someone who's very civically engaged. It didn't feel good watching the debates. It didn't feel Mm -hmm. good following all the news clips. So I would say that it was was more draining. Um, I thought in 2016, we could have made history with the first female president. So I think that kind of like encouraged a lot of people to be more invested. So to me, those are the, like the differences that I noticed. Ian, what about you? Uh, I mean, differences. So like at this point and, and probably like a few months ago at the, at that point in 2016, I, I was confident that Trump was going to win. Um, it just, everything about it felt wrong in, in terms of like him being the outlier and yeah. Hillary's history and everything. And I, I mean, I voted for Hillary. I wanted her to win, of course. And, and, but I just had the feeling that he was going to win just, mm-hmm. just based, just an inkling. Um, this time around though, I don't have a, a, confident feeling either way i i personally think it's it's anybody's race still it's going to be very tight um but i think i think that the the real difference for me this time is the turnout and it's the fact that no matter what no matter who wins so many people are amped up to vote and that is very encouraging regardless of who their vote is for i do feel that a lot of them are going to vote for biden and they're going to vote for change and for difference in that the the democratic side this time around feels a lot more united probably because of the last three and a half years mm-hmm. um the things that feel the same to me are just the kind of thing that things that feel the same with every election it's the the constant barrage of poll numbers in one way or the other um and, and not to say the polls are bad because it's it's good information to have to know where you are but i'm always i've always been a little bit weary of it because it's not it's kind of intangible and it's not a, Hey, we counted the votes. It's a, what did this person say to you? Mm-hmm. And that, that leaves a lot up to that person's objective bias towards who's asking the question. Um, I, I feel the other thing that's concerning in general to me, not to say about the results of the election, but is the hate and the vitriol and the, the extremes on, on both sides. But truthfully, it's not, it's not like, extreme defense of Biden. It's the, it's the right leaning voters willingness to rely on and, and use like blatant falsehoods and conspiracy theories and accuracies and things that have been debunked as reasons to vote for Trump or reasons to just hate the other side. And that's concerning to me in terms of where the country is going, regardless of who wins, because if, if Joe Biden wins and if we take back the Senate, those people aren't going away. Their, their voices will be diminished, I think, and certainly in terms of who's in power, but there's still that feeling that all these people are clinging to this information that's just not true. And it's yeah. really coloring how they interact with people and who yeah. they perceive themselves to be. It's tribalism. You know, I was going to say, I actually am grateful that we know who they are now, though, because yeah. I do think it was easier to hide um, when Trump wasn't uh, wasn't in, in, in office. But another thing I was going to say is, you know, we talked about the Republicans and they haven't done anything and it's really just about beating the Democrats. That's just kind of a reflection of how their supporters are as well. They, yeah. I think a lot of Republicans or Republican voters rather, they know that Trump's terrible. They know he's not a good person, but it's more about 
making the liberals upset. And that, and that is, yeah, it's own, own the lives. And you see that on Twitter often. And so, yeah, the, the hate and the vitriol, and they're not actually caring about your other American citizens just because you want to piss them off because you don't agree with them. It's, I do think we're at, at new levels <laughs> when it comes to that. And either, either outcome, I don't know how much that is going to change, yeah. to be honest. I don't. I don't. Uh, Jackson, what about you? Because you're always involved, very much so involved in elections. What are you, what are you saying, um, just, you know, comparing 2016 and now? Um, look, I think there's a lot of excitement around Hillary Clinton uh, in terms of uh, history making. Uh, you know, I, I wish for Kamala's sake we would, um, th- that she would have that same experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that this pandemic has really ch- changed that. And certainly, you know, when, when Joe and Kamala win, they're not going to have the same inauguration uh, that everybody else has ever had. And that's kind of sad um, for somebody like Kamala. Yeah. Is that history-making candidate, uh, VP. And um, so, you know, I think, I think 2016 was so riddled with so much negative news about Hillary Clinton that I think, and I hope, that people have seen that the media has taken a little bit of a of a different approach to Donald Trump. Uh, you know, there's more Joe Biden. I've seen more cutaways to Biden events in this election than I did in 2016 yeah. um, th- for Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and but you know the the other thing is is that I think part of what we're seeing in in these voter turnout is also 50% the fact that nobody can go anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) What else they got to do? You know what I mean? Nobody got got no job. Might as well vote. And (laughs) what they do, all they can do is go vote. You know, I think you're seeing that spike, which look, it's shitty to say, but like, that's where we are, right? Like, what are you going to do today? Because I'll go vote today, uh, <laughs> you know. And yeah. So, so you know. But then also at this time last year, what were we talking about? Jim Comey had just come out yeah. a second time. This was this time last year, last election. Yeah. yeah. And so you know, we were constantly being bombarded with with Hillary Clinton news. That you know, looking back at it, you're like, oh shit, why did we have to go through all that? Yeah. Um, you know, the the things that are the same though, um, it, it is always going to be. Uh, how social media, what social media tells us uh, and how we look at social media and how social media affects our everyday intake of information. Um, you know, Donald Trump has certainly utilized that to his advantage um, as best as possible, but I think people are starting to see through the crazy um, now more than they have in the past. Well, he's showing uh, way more crazy lately. He's, yeah. he's, <laughs> he's Oh, well, I mean, <laughs> when you're, when you're on the ropes and you know, you're about to lose, it gets a little crazier. Yeah. Um, yeah. the other thing that has remained the same, uh, is the Republican playbook. And that's not just from 2016. That is prior to that. Yeah. The, the playbook has always been the same. Um, and where Democrats have adapted to different types of, situations that we've been in uh and certainly you know what what we're not going to get thankfully is this tea party rise in the democratic party that we thought we were going to get uh after 2016. uh i think that some of our uh up-and-comers alexander ocasio cortez being one of them have been very good at identifying the problem saying it out loud reminding people what it is and still being able to unify the party at the same time Mm -hmm, mm And I think that the more that we get that, the more that our party is not going to go the same way and, and, and that the, the Republicans have. And I think that that is what we thought was going to happen in 2016 um, compared to what is happening now. We, have, we are seeing more surrogates, more Democrats uh, uh, invested uh, in winning and not just at the top of the ticket, but across down yeah. ballot races as well. Right, right. Uh, and how important that is. Uh, and we're having those conversations. I think more people are getting a quick civics lesson in 2020 than we got in 2016. Mm. And, and I think that's what that's scares. Good. Sorry, sorry, go ahead. No, no, that, go ahead. I was say I think that's what that's what scares a lot of the Republicans too. Is you see people like uh, AOC and and all of the more progressive candidates 
or sorry, progressive parts of the Democratic Party speaking out and speaking what their beliefs and ideals are, but they're then still actively taking part in the existing way things are doing. And that's, I think, very hard for Republicans to, to kind of juxtapose and live with. Yeah. And that's that's what's like she I think it was yesterday. She I forget what show she was on uh, AOC and they asked her about fracking and she you know said she would has some very firm beliefs about it, but she'll be happy and honored to lobby Joe Biden about them if he wins. It wasn't he's wrong. It wasn't I disagree with him. It wasn't any of that. It was I have beliefs and I'll be excited to take part in the normal way government functions to get my beliefs across, which is not what the Tea Party did, like you said. Right. And that's, I think that's very scary because they don't know how to, they don't know how to understand, like reason with the Democratic Party where you can have all these differing ideals. Some of them may be more extreme, but they're not breaking off. It's still one party. And I think that's what you're seeing, what Donald Trump has tried to do consistently over these, Yeah, like what, what, he, what he was able to do in 2016 was utilize the Sanders voter against Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. And, remind, and and try to br- build that wedge in between Sanders and Hillary Clinton mm. voters and, and, and make sure that enough Senator Sanders voters didn't vote for Hillary Clinton. That's not working this time. Right, uh, right. And, 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 and he tried to do that, even in this last, last debate with, uh, you know, Alexandra Costa, AOC, and, you know, what did he say, AOC plus three, as, yep. if that, as if that was going to be a problem for de- the Democratic Party. You know, yeah. Cory Cory Bush, who's running in Illinois, who's our Democratic candidate out of Illinois, you know, who just beat the incumbent Democrat in the primary, you know, said, "Well, we we're gonna be adding a few more folks to that 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 plus." Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I think that that is that is not that is what the Republicans did not expect in this election, which yeah. was that they thought that they they were going to be able to divide us in the same way they have tried to divide us in twenty sixteen, twenty twelve, mm-hmm. uh, and then in two thousand eight. Uh, by trying to divide Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama supporters. Mm-hmm. Oops. Right. <laughs> right. Well, before we wrap up, I have one more question for you guys. Do you think that, because we are seeing a lot of Republican support for Biden, you know, obviously he's a seasoned politician. They know him. They probably have very good relationships with him. But how much do you think that the support for him is based on who he is or based on who Trump is? I would say it's based on both. I think over the past four years, we've seen a lot of who Trump is. And like you said, a lot of them probably have relations with Biden. They know the type of man he is. So when the race comes down between either two, I think they're going with someone who they believe our country needs at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. I think that uh, that Joe Biden has been very consistent um, in his, just in his career, mm-hmm. about how well he works with his Republican colleagues. Uh, how he talks to about Senator McCain, how he talks yeah. uh, about working, yeah. you know, across the aisle as much as possible. But that's what we've seen from Joe Biden, uh, and that's why, you know, why they talk about how Barack Obama sent him. That's why. That's why Joe Biden was an effective vice president because he could go to the Hill and talk yeah. to folks that did that. He can talk. He could talk to folks that did not want to talk to Barack Obama. Yeah. For the, <laughs> right. reasons, for the reasons that we know why they didn't want to talk to Barack mm-hmm. Obama. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so so he sent old Joe Biden down there, talked to his his his, his friends. And, 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 and you know, <laughs> and and and, uh, and 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 see what see what comes of that. And I think yeah. that that's what you're that's what you're that's what you're seeing um, in the Republicans right now when they're trying to pivot away from Joe Biden. I think you saw it in Bibi Netanyahu uh, when this weekend when when Donald Trump tried to get Bibi Netanyahu yeah. uh, to to go after Joe Biden, and 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 Bibi said. I'm happy to work with any anybody who's willing to work with us. Yeah, uh, I yeah. think you saw that in in today in Vladimir Putin, mm, yep. who, who who slapped back at 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 uh, at, at this uh, this notion that um, that uh, something about Hunter Biden, you know, right. that, that, that he slapped down that 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 ta- that ta- tall tale. And so I think that you're starting to see that the people that were protecting, uh, that were that Donald Trump thought he, he was ally had allies with. Uh, are, are yeah. abandoning ship at this point nine days after the election. Yeah, right, right, right. I think it's I think it's uh it's pretty fascinating to see because for me, looking at the Democratic primary, I think that coming out of that, people were supporting Biden because he wasn't Trump. But I think once you got the real true chance to have the two of them compared side by side, and not even in the debates, but just in once. Biden was clearly the nominee and we all knew Trump was already the, you know, the incumbent. I think it became more apparent just how much of a polar opposite person Joe Biden is to Trump on almost 
every facet of his personality. Right. I mean, he really is like a good person and his record shows that and the way he's interacted with people throughout his career shows that the way he interacts with people at events, whether it's, you know, that wonderful story about the little boy with a stutter or just kids or anybody that he interacts with, you see that it's about that person. And with Trump, you see that it's about Trump. And I think what's been great for me to watch is I had a lot of friends who were vehemently against Biden in the primary, vehemently, like to the point where a lot of them were saying, well, we won't even vote if, 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 it's, if it ends up being Biden. And they've almost all come around and been like, the more that we see him and hear from him, the more we realize how much we like him as a person and how much we trust him. And that's really, I think it's a testament to, to Joe Biden. Yeah, it's that huge. You, you can come through that. You're maybe not the most extreme progressive, uh, colorful character in the bunch. And you come out and you're still this like rock solid, good human being, honest, straightforward, caring. And it's, you know, it just obviously the, the other example in front of you is not. Right. Right. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that, that everybody, two things, the last thing I'll say on the, the two things that I think people thought was, well, one thing that people thought was going to happen and that Donald Trump was going to try to use against Joe Biden um, was, you know, that creepy uncle Joe factor. Right. Yeah. They, they couldn't even do that they yeah, because, because, because Democrats, because they knew Democrats would be like, you want to be the pot of the kettle. Yeah. And that would have been a thing, right? Like they, like, you can't, they, you'd never win that argument. Um, you know, and, and the other thing um, is that, you know, we have to, and I posted about it the other day, uh, about allowing people the opportunity to change. When Joe Biden yes. lost Bo Biden uh, a few years ago, and I know Melinda, you talk about, you know, mm-hmm. allowing folks space to, to evolve. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when, and I, when you lose somebody, at, at like Joe Biden has in his career, wife, yeah. daughter, okay, that changed how his trajectory of his Senate career. Uh, and then, you know, in, in the vice presidency losing Bo, yeah, that has an, a, a profound impact on how you view certain things. This pandemic uh, has changed, I'm sure, a lot of people's minds about healthcare yeah. in America uh, and employer-based healthcare. The idea that we have elevated politicians to celebrity status and or celebrities on a pedestal as if they're not real people um, yeah. and not allowing them the opportunity to change is goes right to what uh, Ian was saying about how people, have, when you see something, when you are allowed somebody to explain themselves fully and or change over time, um, that is a mark of a good politician. We saw yeah. Barack Obama do it on marriage yeah. equality. Mm-hmm. You, know, you have to be able to give people space to move. And the moment that we don't, uh, allow somebody to do that um, you're already closing them off for progress yeah. uh, and, and and you're already not giving them the opportunity to make amends for some problematic things that they may have done in the past mm-hmm. uh, and, and or and learn from them uh, and, and make progress uh, at the same time agreed and yeah uh, I talk about that all the time but I, I do think there's obviously some people that are that lack the capacity for doing that and Trump is one of those so uh, all of you listeners out there I truly hope that you use your right and go vote we're almost a week away from the election but indeedy Ian and Drexel thank you so much for joining me this week we'll be back again next week when we are two days out from the election and we'll oh all be God. sweating <laughs> <laughs> make sure you subscribe to We Need to Talk on Apple Podcasts Spotify and YouTube and we'll talk to you guys again next week. Bye.